by the light switch Who watches over you Make a little birdhouse in your soul Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul Hello, welcome to Jays From Home. My name is Matt Gower. I am hosting solo this week because Steve, my regular co-host, is off watching uh, the Blue Jays game. He's actually Blue Jays games, I should say. He was there for Friday night's uh, game against the Twins and also Saturday afternoon. So um, that should that was probably a, a great, at least the crowd was a great energy, I assume. They, they, they were a bit uh, tough losses to, to swallow there, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh yeah, I wish I could have been there as well. Looks like a fun atmosphere to, to be at the Jays games again. Um, it's been it's been a pretty good week uh, if you're not counting that Twins series uh, when you're when we're coming to wins and losses for the Blue Jays here. Um, but before I get to all that stuff, just wanted to mention off the top that I will be joined by uh, later on in the show Connor Newcomb from uh, Locked On Orioles podcast uh, from the Locked On system uh, network of podcasts, and they're always great to uh, come onto the show. Uh, and then just kind of a, a, a reminder that it's it's it's. June is Pride Month, so happy Pride uh, to everybody, and uh, we're, I have a little bit more to say on that later on as well, but, um, um, and I think uh, Steve mentioned on Twitter as well, it's also Indigenous Heritage Month, so so let's not forget about that too. Um, yeah, it's been a, a pretty good start to the week for the Jays. Uh, it was a pretty big series facing off against the Astros, who are a very good team, even though they're having some uh, injury problems with the starting rotation, but uh, they did pretty well against those Astros. On, on Monday, they did lose the opener 9-4. to uh, That was the Alec Manoa game, though, where he didn't even get out of the first inning. He didn't even get... He only got one out, um, and he gave up a grand slam to Corey Jolks in the first inning, and, and yeah, he left the game, and he left the... The team got sent down to the complex league. We've all heard lots about that over the past week or so. Um, <clears throat> I just hope that he is, you know, get his gets his mind back to where it needs to be because that's really the key thing here. Um, Kirk had a had a home run in the second, but it was yeah tough loss nine to four. I think it was just over before it started that game. So so really really uh, tough uh, way to to start the week. But the Jays turned it around. They won five to one against the Astros on Tuesday. Houston let it off with a Mauricio Dubon leadoff home run, but then the Jays, uh, it was all Blue Jays after that. Espinal returned to the lineup. Springer hit a two-run home run in the third inning. Varsho hit a home run in the fourth, and Bichette hit a home run in the eighth, and, and so that was that was a, a nice effort for the Jays. They won 5-1, to one, and I think that was, that was a uh, Gossman uh, start as well, so very strong uh, start by Gossman. And Wednesday, they won a close one against the Astros, 3-2. to two. Chris Bassett is just automatic, basically. He pitched eight innings. Uh, he gave up two runs, five strikeouts. He gave up one home run to uh, Jordan Alvarez. Um, and uh, fans, I think, or reporters were asking him why he didn't come up for the ninth. And uh, I think Jordan Alvarez was scheduled to uh, bat and face him. And, and he, he said something to the, to the uh to the line of, uh, I'm not into analytics, but I know that uh, 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 
uh, Alvarez has good numbers against me. So, so it was a smart decision to uh, put in uh, Romano to, to close out that game because, uh, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to lose uh, late on a, on a home run or a, a hard hit ball by Jordan Alvarez. Nobody wants to lose that way. Uh, Thursday, uh, they won the season series uh, by winning against the Astros again three to two with um, uh, Jose Barrios uh, six inning outing. Uh, gave up only two runs, uh, two strikeouts, one home run. Um, so yeah, that was a really important series. They were saying that on the broadcast because um, if there's any tiebreaker in the uh, in the in the uh, wild card uh, scenario, uh, the, winning the season series is important. So the Jays uh, won four to three overall. Um, now going to the uh, the Minnesota series, I think um, by losing this series, they've lost the first two games of the series. That means that the Jays have lost the season series against the Twins. Now, I have a feeling the Twins won't factor into the wildcard uh, standings, but you never know. That, that Any series win against a playoff hopeful team, a series loss against a playoff hopeful team is not a great thing. Uh, so they lost 3-2 to two in 10 innings. Um, on Pride, It was Pride night on Friday night. And, and Kevin Gossman caught the first pitch, which I think was the ultimately right decision uh, by the Blue Jays here. Uh, and uh, 2SLGPTQ plus consultant Leslie Lee Cam threw out the first pitch to Kevin Gossman. And like I said, Steve was at this game. Um, I'll, I'll give you some of his thoughts in a few minutes, in a few seconds here. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, n- nice to see uh, Pride uh, and, and, the, and the LGBTQ to plus community represented and and shown that that baseball uh they there's there they belong in baseball they're they're included in baseball and i think that's the message that everybody needs to remember is 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 baseball is for everyone we don't want to exclude anybody and that's what i think a lot of the anti uh anti uh anti-gay messaging basically has been is about exclusive and, and hate and and we don't want that in the game we want we want inclusivity um so yeah they they lost three to two it was a, it was a tough 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 loss in 10 innings but uh you know that that that's that's gonna happen sometimes um and then saturday was even a, a little bit of a tougher loss that was supposed to be if manoa was still in the lineup that would have been manoa's start but it was a bullpen game uh they lost nine to four i was i i, I didn't watch this this game on tv uh i watched the 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 uh the condensed game and I was watching it and it was like 3-1, 3-1 in this in the bullpen game and all and I was like well well I thought that they, that they lost this game 9 to 4 did I get the score wrong am I watching the wrong game but then uh, 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 Adam Simber and 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 Mitch White came into the game and they kind of blew that game wide open with a Carlos Correa uh, grand slam uh, and yeah, so it ended up being not so great. The Jays lost nine to four, and even worse, Brandon Belt was removed from the from the game uh, for, with left hamstring tightness. He kind of pulled up at, after kind of running in, into uh, score on, on on home plate. He kind of held his his hamstring, so that's not great. So hopefully, hopefully it's just a a day-to-day thing and it's not going to put him on the injuries list because he has really turned his season around. He's he's uh, he's hit well he's been I, I guess he calls himself the MVP and the Blue Jays team calls calls him the MVP whenever he does something great and and in a certain sense he's been one of the more valuable players for sure uh so hopefully he is not uh, out of the lineup for a long time but we'll have to wait and see um so yeah some notes from that Steve sent me about the game um he was he was kind of roving about I think throughout both games he was saying that the outfield districts are pretty loud 
um, and you can't really hear what's going on on the field level. But that could be because, um, I guess, for Pride Weekend, they have all these DJs going on. So there, there might be just a lot of noise and a lot of uh, uh, just extra stuff going on this weekend. So that could be the reason why. But he said that his fav- favorite district was, was Rogers Landing and uh, the left and the right field balconies, I guess, just kind of because of the, the vantage point there. So that's pretty cool. Um yeah, Steve said the games are good until the eighth inning of the Saturday game. So, so yeah, I, I would uh, definitely agree with that. But yeah, I wish I wish I could have been at that game. I I haven't been to a game since I think the twenty twenty one home opener from uh, when they when they opened up um, Rogers Center in 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 July or August. So uh, it it would be nice to get back to it to a Blue Jays game soon. Um, so yeah, now we're going to go on to our weekly outcomes. And like I said, uh, it being Pride Weekend, I think the Jays just I was talking. I was talking to, to my older brother Glenn and, and Steve about this, and my, and my wife. I've been talking to a lot of people about this. Just how disappointed I am about uh, the Blue Jays organization. And there, my strikeout for the week is my the Blue Jays organization because they were just behind on the whole Chris uh, Chris Anthony Bass situation from from the get go. Um, he he had the chance to explain himself, and he did a terrible job at it um, after deleting and then reposting that the hateful message uh he didn't he, he didn't seem like he was remorseful of it um some people have uh, i saw one tweet uh, saying that you know but the fact that the jays are standing by him makes really you wonder if they're more than protecting just one player if they're protecting other players and it's really an unfair thing to say about the other players but it really gets you thinking about like why 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 would the blue jays hang on to anthony bass for so long and i said this last week uh, when when steve and i were talking on the show like you can't put him out there during pride weekend uh to pitch he he's going to get booed off the off the field he and he's hurting the team just from that sense and then all of a sudden this was just baffling they had him come out and do media availability earlier this week, and then it was announced that he was going to catch the first pitch. And I feel like the the Jays must have just been kind of testing the waters to see what the fan reaction would be. And that is, I think it's a no-brainer what the fan reaction would be because the fan reaction has already been release uh, and DF, DFA Anthony Bass, get him off the roster. He, he's not a person that we want on this, on this team. And they just, they just, they just messed it up, and and he came out and just doubled down on his intolerant and exclu- excluding views uh, and hateful views of 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 the of the LGBTQ plus community. It's 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 just baffling that they they just let him keep on talking. And I I sort of it's 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 frustrating because um, uh, Ross Atkins was was had media availability too, and I think because of union rules and stuff and we kind of this a similar situation came up came up with the whole Whit Merrifield um, um, uh, vaccination thing where you can't say the real reason why he's not on the team because he all he could say was it's a performance issue because they, they 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 called up Mitch White and then they released Anthony Bass in the end uh, on, on 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 Friday uh, Friday afternoon um, they just said it was a, it was a baseball decision primarily and I think that's just so that they can't have grievances filed against him and it's 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 just this whole situation is people are not saying I, I, they're not saying the right things they're not, they're not they're, this is a situation where, where Ross Atkins should stand up and and say you know this is not a value that the Blue Jays team uh, can can live with and he should have said that from the get go and it took him almost two weeks to to release Anthony Bass and and that was 
just two weeks too long. And it, I've never been this disappointed in the Blue Jays, like ever. Uh, through years of losing, uh, through through just even they, they've had a couple other scandals with with um, with Kevin Pillar and and uh, and oh, what's the other guy? The other guy who had the 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 eye black guy. I forget his name even now though. Um, so they've they've had other other scandals and and they've they've I guess they've handled it better. It was other other front offices, but I've just never been so disappointed in the Blue Jays organization, and that's that's just really not great, especially going into an important weekend for for a a large community um that they're supposedly trying to uh you know uh include the 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 lgbt2q plus community so this is it's just really a big big huge disappointment uh from that sense and and it's been like it was not just affecting the blue jays other teams are have had this this happen as well uh we're talking about the dodgers and then even in hockey we had players kind of standing behind you know i think the stall brothers for the hurricanes saying standing uh using religion i'm not saying i don't want to say standing behind they are hiding behind their religion as a way of 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 being intolerant and we see we saw that a lot in hockey we saw that with a, a handful of of tampa bay rays players last year during their uh pride celebration and and we're it, we need uh, to have players and and stand up and 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 say that you know everybody is included at at a baseball game and there's one one team I'll just I'll just end this thought on this one thing um, I think Levi Weaver tweeted this out uh, recently uh, there's there's w- still one team that does does not have a pride celebration the Texas Rangers so um, w- there's still a ways to go as far as 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 baseball being an inclusive and welcoming. Uh, sport for for everyone and um you know we need to see all the teams have pride celebrations um and 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 i don't don't know why texas is 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 not doing that but that's kind of a little bit of a tangent but um i think that uh you know we just need to remember that everybody is welcome at, and it's a, it's, a, it's a baseball stadium baseball is fun we don't need to 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 hurt people <laughs> this is it's just it's just so dumb <laughs> okay well anyways some 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 gonna go to my no decision now okay so uh, my no decision is uh, and we talked about this connor and i kind of covered this a little bit in the interview uh the blue jays starting rotation depth this and and the jays aren't alone in this it seems like all teams seem to want to just build starting rotations on a very uh, kind of thin foundation i guess um the the I'm calling this my no decision. I'm calling this starting rotation my no decision because the Blue Jays, up until Monday, with with uh, with sending down uh, Alec Manoa, have been really lucky. They haven't had any injuries, and everybody other than Manoa has been pitching really well. And in some cases, maybe even over expectations in, in Kikuchi's case, and even Barrios a little bit. Um, so they've been inju- they've been injuring injury free, but they're not deep. And I'm getting it's my my one worry about the Blue Jays. Going into the into the years, they just need more starting pitching depth, uh, and they they don't have that right now. So I don't know where they're going to get it. Um, and and Connor mentioned this in the interview as well. It's going to be expensive to get uh, get starting pitching, even if like the Jays don't necessarily they don't need to get a number one guy, but they need to get some depth. And everybody is is it, everybody wants it because everybody has a thin pitching rotation, and I, I just don't get why teams are not building in more depth i guess i guess it's just hard to find these days um i don't know it's 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 it's, that's why it's my no decision because it's just confusing to me why why all these teams blue jays especially are are not 
uh, playing with a lot of a lot of depth there. It's it's basically a uh, they're 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 going across the high wire with no safety net here, and 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 I'm getting a little dizzy right now. Um, and I'll, I'll end off the weekly outcomes with uh, my home run and and back to the whole uh, uh, pride we- pride month and pride celebration. My my home run are, are Jays fans because I think that um, Anthony Bass wouldn't have been released if it wasn't for just the outcry of of all the Jays fans, basically on 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 social media, just saying, "What are you doing, Blue Jays? Get him off the team." So this is kind of one of those things where everybody has kind of banded together for the greater good and something positive came out of it where the the blue jays had to address the situation um so the blue jays the blue jays fan base uh this did did well in this situation and and did the right right thing and they're on they're going to be on the right side of history in this story so so blue jays fans is my my home run for the week okay so now now on to my jays notes i I don't have a a ton of notes here um i guess the the big the big story like i said is that alec manoa is it was sent down to the florida complex league so so basically my my i guess in my mind you know once he gets to work we could just just got to start that uh training montage like the whole like eye of the tiger uh rocky montage to to and and he's gonna he's 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 started the work he's gonna come back i think that we're gonna see him come back uh this year i think it's a different situation than roy halliday I don't think that they need to totally rebuild his mechanics. Uh, they just need to tweak a few things. The main big thing that they need to they need to um, upgrade or, or improve on is I think it's, it's just his his mindset and just being in Florida. I think he he's from Florida. I think he's from my, the, maybe the Miami area. Just being close to home with no pressures and just kind of just getting back to just throwing the baseball. I think it'll be almost like a spring training 2.0 for Alec Manoa. I think that'll be good for his his mind. And I think I think that maybe he wasn't totally on board for getting sent down. Um, but that that Astros disaster <laughs> um, kind of I think put him over the top. So he, I think I think he's on board. I think he his his mind totally needed to be into it in order to 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 benefit from this from this demotion. And I think that we will see him back and and he will be effective again. Uh it's not going to be as as long of a situation as Roy Halladay. So so yeah. I think I think I think everything will be okay with Alec Manoa. It's just going to take some time, but it's not going to take that long. So we we'll just have to wait wait on that one. Um so that's pretty much it uh for for blue jays news um we're going to do a quick look ahead um we have the baltimore orioles uh tuesday wednesday thursday um and then and then on on the weekend a tough series those texas rangers somehow keep on winning um they they have strong pitching they did lose uh jacob Degrom for at least a year and a half with tommy john surgery but he has only he only pitched i think like 30 innings or something like that for the for the for the Rangers. He hasn't really been that much of a difference maker for him. But they're they're a tough team. They're hitting well. They've got I think the highest run differential uh, in the uh, in, in MLB right now. So so there's going to be a tough series. Baltimore's going to be a tough series. Like I said before with Connor, I think um, the difference between this uh, Baltimore series and the last one for the Jays is that the Jays first of all have an off day heading into Baltimore. It's it's a road game, so that's going to be different too. But uh, the when when the Jays last met with Baltimore, it was kind of a disaster. But it was also the 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 tail end of a really tough, uh, maybe the toughest portion of their schedule. Um, yeah, so the the Jays I think are are a different looking team than the last time they they faced the Orioles. So I think that this will be an interesting series to watch for sure. 
Um, okay, so time for the B team update. Uh, I don't know if Steve and I really did a great job in picking our teams because they're they're not doing great uh, in the wins and loss column. I think uh, the Guardians are, have a little bit more hope of, of, of competing for the division title just because um, it's a terrible division. <laughs> the, the the Guardians are 30 and 34. They're second in the AL Central. Uh, they've won, they won two out of three against the Red Sox earlier in the week. And uh, as of Sunday morning, they've split their season series with the Astros 101. Um, they're uh, going to San Diego and uh, Phoenix. They're, they're going to face the, the Padres and the Diamondbacks uh, this week. So that's going to be it's going to be a tough series definitely for the against the Diamondbacks Padres I don't know they're they're I don't know what they are anymore it's they they should be a good team it's probably going to be a tough series so so that's that's going to be interesting for sure uh Seattle they're 31 and 32 fourth in the AL West uh they had they they faced those Padres in San Diego they they won uh, they split the se- this year, that little mini series one to one, and right now they're playing the uh, Angels in in LA, uh, and they've also split that series as well. It's just another tough division, maybe the second toughest division to to, to claw their way out of. So I don't know uh, if if Seattle has any playoff hopes uh, at, at least this far into the season. We'll have to wait and see how the whole thing shakes out. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. There was not a ton of, of news going around. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, doing, uh, thinking out loud here, doing a, 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 a production meeting with, with, with you listeners. I, I think, I think we're going to maybe focus more on the Blue Jays going in and, and, and a little less on Major League Baseball news around. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think it'll, it'll make for a more focused podcast, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I find it hard to help myself when all these baseball news stories come about, and I want to talk about everything, but uh, uh, sometimes there's just too much to talk about, and uh, I don't know. Give me your thoughts. I, I didn't mention this off the top, but uh, send us some, send us a message on uh, on Twitter. Send us a DM. Send us a co- comment on our page. Uh, let, let me know what you want to hear uh, on, on the podcast. I would love to hear thoughts about the podcast for sure uh, send me your thoughts uh, i will not steal them i will give them back i will i will absor- I, will, I will i will listen to your to your comments and maybe maybe i'll do something about it if i don't like the comment i won't so there you go all right so uh now we're going to throw to the interview with connor and uh i'll be back after that so uh, here's connor newcomb from locked on orioles podcast Okay, I am here with Connor Newcomb from Locked on Orioles. Welcome to the show, Connor. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. I see that you're wearing the uh, the uh, City Connect Baltimore uh, hat. Before we get started, I'm going to uh, just uh, get your opinion. What do, you, what do you think about those new City Connects? Because I think uh, people are pretty kind of split on that right now. Yeah, I'm I'm down the middle. Um, I ended up in terms of what I spent my money on was only the hat. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't buy a jersey or anything like that. Um, I get the messaging behind them. Like I understand what they did, which was like, Hey, all this, all this color, all this stuff we really designed is going to be inside the uniform because, you know, that's what Baltimore is about. And people you know, only see the bad stuff on the outside, not all the great stuff on the inside. Mm-hmm. However, I had two problems with it. One is it's clothes. And so for people to wear them, um, and show them off generally you don't buy a t-shirt because it's cool on the inside yeah. um and then the other thing would just be i think a little bit of that almost feeds into the stereotypes of like yes we know look it's just all black and white on the outside 
in Baltimore. Um, and, you know, you got to dig really, really deep um, to see the good stuff. I think that plays a little bit into the negative stereotypes for the city. I think overall they still look good, I think, and they look better when the players roll up the sleeves, let the collar hang, unbutton a couple, and get to see the color on the jerseys a little bit. They did win in them for the first time last <laughs> night. They were 0-2 in the jerseys before okay. um, beating the Royals the other night, so that was making me like them a little bit better. But I'm I'm kind of a split person in a split community about how they kind of feel about them. Sure. Now, yeah, I was kind of hoping that the lining would be overall like underneath the whole jerseys and then people could, could kind of like Will Smith, like fresh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like wear it inside out. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, so, so you, you sound pretty, um, uh, kind of tuned into the community. Why don't you give me like your history a little bit? Because, um, are, are you like a Baltimore native or are you, are you from the area? Yeah. So I'm from, um, North of the city is where I grew up. Um, a little north of the city in the county, uh, but now do live in the city and actually live within walking distance to the ballpark now, nice, nice. Um, where I've lived for a couple of years. So I am, I am here. I am walking to games whenever I can go. Um, so definitely been an O's fan my entire life. Grew up coming down to the ballpark. I mean, when I was the teams I grew up with for the Orioles were the terrible Orioles teams. They hmm. were the teams between '97, which was the last time they had made the playoffs, and 2012. The teams I grew up with were the teams the 15 years. Um, in between those two playoff runs. So it was some pretty, pretty terrible baseball teams who never had a winning record. Um, so, you know, we would still go to the games. They were they were a lot cheaper. As long as you mm-hmm. could go to a Yankee game or a Red Sox mm-hmm. game, you could, <laughs> you know, walk around, sit wherever and, and get some pretty cheap tickets. Um, but it, it was nice when I was um, kind of old enough to be like, okay, you know, I don't need uh, my parents to take me to the game. Like I can just go to the baseball games. That's when they started getting good again. Mm -hmm. Um, which was nice as well. And I don't think those early 2000s, they never lost as many games as they did the last couple of years, but they also never had a plan, which is why they lost 15 years in a row. So I'm hopeful that this stretch that's kind of beginning now is going to be the most successful stress or stretch of Orioles baseball I've seen. Yeah, now that that's kind of leading into some of my questions that I have here because I, I was wondering, do you think that they can sustain? Like they got off to a strong start of this the season this year. Do you think they can sustain that through the year, or is this kind of like little quarter uh, quarter season surge more of a more of a blip? Yeah, I mean it's been interesting because they started you know twenty two and ten, and that was a, a fantastic record. You know, if the Rays hadn't basically <laughs> won every game in April, that's a that's a first place record mm-hmm. for most divisions in baseball. Um, and they're, and they're still trying to catch the Rays, and they they will not do it. I mean, that Rays team is just too good. I don't I don't know how they do it, but they're too good. But I think the Orioles have shown, you know, after that stretch, they played a really easy April, with a lot, which a lot of people pointed out. They played a lot of last place teams in April. Yeah. And listen, they handle their business. Like you, you got to handle your business to get to the playoffs against the bad teams. Mm-hmm. Then they started having the series. You know, they got Toronto, they got New York, they played the Braves, they played the Rays. Um, they played a lot of these teams who they're going to be competing with and they held their own and they went 17 and 14 in that next stretch where it's like, okay, you know, you're not playing at this incredible, you know, 110 win pace that you were early in the year. But if you're going f- just about 500, a little over against the good teams and you're beating up on the bad teams, you'll find yourself with 90 wins and in the playoffs by the end of the year, more times than not, they still need to add to this team to sustain any kind of losing streak that may happen because they haven't lost more than three games in a row. At some point in the 162 game season, you're going to hit a bigger skid than that yeah. where you're going to lose some games and they're going to have to add some guys to help stop those streaks turning into seven and eight game losing streaks. But right now I don't think they'll win the division. I don't think they have a team to make a deep playoff run, but 
nothing I've seen has told me they will fall flat and skid out at the end of the year and, you know, finish 500, miss the playoffs. Like they look like a postseason team to me. Yeah. So I'm curious what the comparison of expectations were going into this, going into the year versus what they are now. Yeah. I think going into the year, obviously in the second half of 2022, that rose expectations for this year. That team Mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. They won 10 games in a row in early July. They got back over 500 and all of a sudden they were in the wild card race. And they entered September, I believe, two games out of a playoff spot last year. And they didn't play great in September. And they ended up finishing three games behind Tampa, which wasn't anything to you know be super upset about. I mean, that team was kind of expected to have another you know 90-loss season in 2022. And they ended up mm-hmm. having a winning record. And because of that, you said, wow, the Orioles didn't add anything throughout last season. In fact, they sold at the deadline last year. And they still ended up with a winning record in three games out. You thought, okay, they've spent no free agent money. They have no money on the books, basically, except for these rookie guys. They can add some guys this offseason and go for the playoffs. When they didn't really add anything besides Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier in the offseason, I think that took expectations down where people thought this Orioles team could make the playoffs, but it's going to be a struggle. And I think the general expectation was a winning record, but people not really knowing how much to expect in terms of the next step after a winning record is a playoff team. But after that start they had in April, And, you know, how good the bats were, how good the bullpen still looked after being amazing last year. I think the full expectation at this point has changed to this is a playoff team unsure about can this team make a run in the playoffs. So I think they took like one step up on the expectation ladder so far this year. Okay, so so what weaknesses uh, do they need to address? Because for me, like like their their bullpen, I think is their re- their really strong point, and 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 that's the 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 thing you need to have just just locked in for for a playoff run. So what what do they need to work on? Yeah, the bullpen's good, and even some guys who have faltered, they have so much depth for their bullpen in AAA. I mean, they've got four or five guys in AAA who I'd feel comfortable if they needed to come up and and fill a a, a lesser role in the bullpen, they could. So I think they're set there, which is nice unless they start sustaining some injuries. The offense is interesting because the Orioles were a top five offense during that time at the beginning of the year when they were winning all those games. Mm -hmm. Now, again, it was against some of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. Their offense has come down to more. I think they're like 11th or 12th or 10th around there in most categories. It's still a good offense, but they've come back down to looking like we're a little bit better than than league average, essentially offensively. They could probably use another bat which would help. They had a couple guys in some nasty slumps over the past month or so. Ryan Mountcastle, who is the noted Blue Jay killer, yes, has just yes. been very upset he hasn't been playing the Blue Jays. He's been awful over the past <laughs> month. Like okay. He's moved into a little bit of a platoon role lately because he's been so bad, which has been really, really surprising for Mountcastle. And, and that's really hurt this offense because he's their three or four hitter generally every time out there. Mm-hmm. So that's been tough. So a bat would help. But really the number one thing to go after the trade deadline is a starting pitcher. I mean, the Orioles demoted Grayson Rodriguez, their top pitching prospect, down to AAA because he was struggling so much. He will be back. He had a just unbelievably dominant start in AAA on Friday night. So he's going to be back at some point this year. He's still got the talent. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to rely on him as much as they thought they could this year. Okay. And when you look at that rotation, right now they've got five guys who can keep you in a game, five guys who can allow the offense to win, who can maybe get it to the bullpen to lock down a W but they don't have anybody where if the O's were starting a wild card series tomorrow that I would feel comfortable in putting in a playoff game. So they need to at least add one and not just a, Hey, we added a number four pitcher to add to our depth. They need at least a number two guy who I would feel comfortable maybe starting game one of a playoff series. 
Yeah, and that's not that's not easy to find. I find that it, like I'm I'm looking at all the teams, like even, even the Dodgers, like all and the Blue Jays especially, like like starting pot- starting rotation depth is not a thing this year. That seems to be the going trend amongst how all teams are built, and it just is a really baffling thing that that GMs aren't really giving themselves much uh, wiggle room that way. Yeah, it's going to be expensive, I think, to get starting pitching at the trade deadline this year. Because as you said, even the best teams, I mean, you look at the Rays. The Rays are just running away with everything. But with the injuries they've had, they could certainly use at least one starting pitcher. And so when you look at the top down, you say the number one team in baseball feels like they need a starter. That's going to jack the price up for every other, you know, 85, 88 win team. It's like, if we can get one guy on the mound, we can get in the wild card. And then, you know, we could be the Phillies. You never know what could happen when we get in the Mm -hmm. postseason. That price is going to get jacked up. The good thing for the Orioles is they've got the number one farm system in baseball. They could theoretically outbid pretty much anyone for a starting pitcher because of the talent they have in their system. The flip side is the Orioles really haven't had to make a deal like that or haven't really chosen to make a deal like that since Mike Elias has taken over as GM. And the question is, will they want to do it? And you're right. Everybody needs at least one starter. It feels like there's more pitching injuries early in the year than there's been the last couple of years. That's mm-hmm. hurt some teams. And I worry that the O's will see that and say, all right, we'll go get another another number three or four. We'll make our rotation a little bit better. You know, it'll add to the depth and we'll kind of go from there. And that'll be fine. It'll make them better. It just, I feel like they're early, right? They're, they're ahead of schedule, which is nice. But they sometimes have used that as a crutch to say, hey, we're ahead of schedule. You know, we don't need to go right now. What's the What's the matter in going to the ALCS this year and next year? If you feel like you're ahead of schedule, you know, that's fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm hoping that's the, the moves at the deadline, but, but you're right. It's going to be tough because you might look at 18 teams that want to get a starting pitcher at the deadline. There's just not mm-hmm. that many pitchers out there. And and most of those 18 teams are going to be in the AL. So I have a feeling that, uh, that it's going to be the NL that gets rated for starting pitching. Yeah. Uh, you you kind of tweeted, I think you were, you were, you were joking about this, but is, is Corbin Burns maybe a target uh, pitcher? Is there, is there a guy that, that, that fans are, are looking for or, or targeting? So Corbin Burns has kind of been the dream for Orioles fans for the last year or so. Um, I think that dream got pumped up a little bit, honestly, when Burns had the whole situation in arbitration with the Mm -hmm. Brewers this offseason where he came out and basically publicly said, like, you know, that was not good. Like he said, the relationship had, no pun intended, kind of been burned between him (laughs) and the Brewers. And he signed through 2024. So for the Orioles, you know, you don't have to give up everything for just a half year of a pitcher. You could get a whole nother season out of him. He hasn't had his best year, but he did just dominate the Orioles the other day, and he also just won a Cy Young a couple years ago. So I still believe he is a one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. You just never know what the Brewers are going to do. They are yeah. in first place, but it's the also, NL Central. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the Central. They do sell sometimes. I mean, remember last year they were headed for the postseason and they traded Josh Hader away. They're they're <laughs> you know lockdown closers. So you just kind of never know what the Brewers are going to do. And if that, you know, relationship is so frayed that the Brewers know, hey, we're not going to re-sign him, basically the earlier you trade him, the more you get back because the more control another team gets of, of Corbin Burns. I wouldn't be completely surprised if they did deal him at the deadline. That should be the guy the O's go for because even though his numbers are a little down, his stuff looks the same. You still get a year and a half of him. I mean, the other guys that O's fans are dreaming on are like Dylan Cease of the White Sox or maybe Shane Bieber of the Guardians. But I would love to see them go and and get Burns, and I don't think it's out of the question that Milwaukee would trade him this year. Yeah, yeah, and I don't I don't think that we're going to see many trades come out of the the AL Central, especially just how how close it is with all these like kind of middling, not right. so great teams. Um, 
So, so you mentioned the the, the front office. Do you, do you think they were justified? Like, does does this success justify them on not making kind of a big splash or a big trade or big signing in the offseason? Yeah, you know, it, it somewhat does, I think, because they knew their own players best. And that's the one thing that we're kind of seeing here is they knew that, hey, you know, we didn't go get that top starting pitcher, but we felt like Kyle Gibson was actually better than you all thought. And that's been the case so far. He's come in at 35 years old and just been a really, really steady, reliable presence who can give you six solid innings every time he goes out there. And it was like, Mm -hmm. hey, we didn't go get another mid-rotation starter because we knew Tyler Wells was ready to take the next step. Tyler Wells has the lowest whip in all of baseball right now. You know, he's got a three ERA. He's been great for the Orioles in the rotation. You know, hey, we didn't go get another outfielder because we think, you know, Austin Hayes, this is the year he finally puts it all together. And he has, he's hitting over 300 this year. So some of these things have worked. Now other things have hurt. Like you can't imagine Cedric Mullins getting injured and missing more than a month. That's where they are. They had to go get Aaron Hicks mm-hmm. off the street basically because the, the Yankees had just released him. You know, you couldn't see Ryan Mountcastle going into a six week slump that he's almost been unplayable. But they did see that, hey, our bullpen's going to be just as good with different guys. I mean, Yenye Cano comes out of nowhere to be the best reliever in baseball. Um, I do think, though, we're starting to see over the past couple of weeks that, hey, that roster they put together was good enough to do it earlier in the year. But to sustain this kind of success, they're going to need to add something. Now, if they add it at the deadline, I think it's kind of fine because they said, you know what? Maybe we'll go into this season with this. We'll see where we are. If we can compete to the level that is possible from our projections, then we'll add at the deadline. And if they do it, then you say, okay, they had a plan the whole time. It was, if we're good enough, we're going to do it at the deadline. But if they still don't add, you just kind of start thinking, is it really that cash strapped where they're just saying, we'll roll it out with this very, very cheap team. And we're going to try to maximize these guys, but there's only so much that those guys can do. I mean, I still would have loved to see them add one of the pitchers that was available and it, it didn't have to be, you know, Justin Verlander, but I mean, someone that I was on the whole off season was Chris Bassett who ended up in the division. And uh-huh. I just thought Chris Bassett is not your ace, but Chris Bassett has done it before. Chris Bassett can come out there and we've seen him go pitch into the ninth inning for the blue Jays this year. We've seen him give some really good starts. He had his struggles early, but I feel like he's kind of pulled it together. And I just thought if you can put Chris Bassett in the middle of that rotation, along with a Kyle Gibson, then you have two veterans to where if things are going wrong, you can at least rely on those guys two out of five days. And they just didn't even make that move, which still made it a little bit disappointing. You know, I, I Chris Bassett has made the difference for the Blue Jays for sure this year. He's he's one of my he's my favorite pitcher to watch right now. He's amazing. And and yeah, he might have he might be the difference between uh, second place and the division lead for the Orioles had they had they not uh, tried to to make that signing. Yeah. And 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 you look at Bassett for, for the Blue Jays. I mean, how huge has he been that Alec Manoa just has not had it and you can yeah. have Chris Bassett there to at least fill some things in. And I know it's been nice for them because Kikuchi has been better and gosman has been really good and, and they've been able to pull that together. But like if the O's could have Bassett right now, when they send, you know, Grayson Rodriguez down, you don't have to worry as much because you're like, okay, we have another veteran in there in, in Chris Bassett who's already pitching well in our rotation. You have a little bit more things you can move around. And yeah, it, it feels like another starting pitcher could get them closer to first. I've almost mm. given up on the hope of winning the AL East. I don't know if you feel the same. I just feel like Tampa is just, and it's not like, oh my gosh, they have 20 all-stars. They're amazing. This is the greatest team ever assembled. They just suffocate teams. Like mm-hmm. they might win three to one, but if you watch a whole three to one Rays win, you probably know from like the first pitch, oh, they're winning this game, even though they win by two runs. That's that's what they do to teams. I just don't see them giving up that lead. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right about the division. Um, it's teams like the, the Phillies gave gives gives me hope. Uh, what they did last year, because um, you know they had a they had a, a strong kind of second half of the season after they fired Joe Girardi, but they did it based on on you know slugging and. And, and 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 a strong bullpen and strong strong pitching, um, and they didn't need to to win the division to do that. Um, and and so we've got I think I think that the the AL representative in the World Series is coming out of the East, and any any team can do that. It's just going to be really hard to to get out of there for sure. Um, now we've, we're talking about winning a lot. How how have fans? Uh, handled years of losing for for in Baltimore like are they coming back pretty strongly or, or, or I guess I don't think I don't think it's 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 fair to say that people are skeptical now because I think I think they're they're definitely on the upswing but how, how are fans coming back to the Orioles yeah I mean in terms of crowds like uh, attendance has been way up this year which you I think you, you kind of figure is going to happen when a team has a great ending to one year and then continues the momentum into an amazing start to the next year you know you're generally going to see attendance go up um, they had an awesome crowd, of like 35,000, which is close to a sellout in that ballpark yesterday for now. It was an Adley Rutschman bobblehead day. So that <laughs> always helps you out as well. And, and a nice Saturday and a win for the Orioles. But you're seeing attendance go up. Um, a, a big thing I'm seeing just living down the street from the stadium and kind of living in the, the neighborhood where a lot of people go before and after the games as well, <laughs> just in comparison to last year. And this is even late last year when the O's were winning, they were making a playoff run, just the amount of. Orioles gear and you know this is going to be more storytelling than like hard data I've got to back mm -hmm. this up but the amount of Orioles gear you see just around the neighborhood is just so much more you know when I'm if I'm not going to the game but I'm you know driving somewhere or walking somewhere you know an hour before first pitch like the line of cars through the neighborhood to get to the ballpark is just longer than it was at, at any point last year you know I went to went to get dinner I think last Sunday um, and the Orioles had, had just finished a, a West Coast game against the Giants. And I think everybody in the restaurant, you know, it was like 10 different groups or, or people. And, it, and at least one person in each group was wearing an Orioles hat in the restaurant. And it was just mm. like, I feel like there's a little more buzz, a little more buy-in from people who have gone away for good reason. I mean, they lost 100 plus games. They were one of the worst teams in baseball from basically the second half of 2017 through the end of the first half in 2022. That is a long time. That is five years to be basically non-existent. And the difference is a lot of those Orioles fans went through those 15 years I mentioned of losing. But in some of those years, they had some hope. Like in 2005, they were in first place in July and just collapsed down the stretch. They had some great offenses with Miguel Tejada and I think Marquecas and Melvin Mora and Rafael Palmero, like they had some teams that could score. They just never had any pitching. So you always thought, can they score enough runs? And they had some like 70 some win teams that keep you at least like guessing a little bit, you know, late into the year before they collapse. This was different. This was, we are going to tear it all down and lose as many games as possible. And it is hard to get fan buy-in when you go to the ballpark, knowing the team is essentially, at least from a front office perspective, trying to lose. Like the Orioles were trying to win back then. They were just really bad at it. <laughs> These years they were trying to lose and it is hard to get that buy-in. So I think late last year when they were way ahead of schedule trying to get to the playoffs, you didn't see as much of the excitement because people were like, this could just be a mirage. This could be, just be a good couple of months. But now I think they're seeing the team actually trying to win again. And that's that's got a lot more buy-in from the fans. What it has caused, I think, more in the Orioles' internet bubble, but also among fans is just expectations are back, which means people think a, a lot higher of the team and expect a lot more out of the team. And the losses hurt a lot, lot more for a lot of people. But I think that comes with the territory of, of being a winning baseball team. And it's just been nice to see like 
this has been, even when the O's were good in that stretch with Buck Showalter, like this has been such a Ravens town just because the team has had so much success. They've won two Super Bowls. They've only been around for, you know, 30 years or so. But Baltimore is a baseball town. And, you know, in the 70s and 80s, when the team was the best team in baseball, like that's what it was. And I'm hoping we can start to inch our way back there here. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like from what you're saying, the fans are are proud of the of the Orioles again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those five years of lo- losing were maybe a, a, at least a little bit shameful on the fan base. Um, which brings me uh, to my next kind of question here. Now they were losing for five years on purpose, which is basically taking that Astros uh, uh, playbook. So how have uh, Michael Elias and also, I guess, Sig- Sig Meidel also uh, is there too. How have they adapted some of the those Astros methodolo- methodologies to the uh, Orioles organization? Yeah, I think number one is obviously strip it down and lose 100 games multiple mm-hmm. times, right? That's exactly what the Astros did when Sig and Mike were there, you know, in mm-hmm. lesser roles, but they were there with Houston. Uh, they were both working a lot on the draft when they were there. So it was kind of yeah. like, hey, we'll make the team terrible. Then they'd hand it over to Mike and Sig, and they were like, all right, you make us better from the bottom. That was kind of their role <laughs> with Houston was, you know, look at international scouting, look at the draft, and when we get these high picks, let's turn them into good players. And sometimes it didn't work out with Houston. They had a couple of the pitchers that they didn't even sign at the beginning of the draft. The Orioles have done better. Now, they did get Carlos Correa, which was a, a huge win for them. Now, was Adley Rutschman the biggest slam dunk pick in 10 years at number one? <laughs> yeah, he probably was. So it's not like that pick was hard. But, you know, there were five different guys who teams were looking at at maybe being the number one pick in last year's draft. The Orioles took Jackson Holiday. He's now the number two prospect in baseball, and he's been incredible, and he looks to be the right pick. You know, Heston Kerstad, they took number two a couple years ago, and then he got myocarditis after getting COVID, and he had multiple injuries, and he was basically shut down for two-plus years. And people were like, this was a waste of a pick. Kerstad just got promoted to AAA. He's been killing it. He might be in the big leagues by the end of this year. And so you're starting to see you know, Colton Kowser was their first round pick in 21. He's going to be in the bigs in the next couple of weeks, probably to fill in for Cedric Mullins. So you're starting to see these picks roll together. And that's what happened for the Astros. Now, the big thing that the Orioles haven't been able to do quite yet that I think is their next step from Houston is really, really two things. One is the international scouting. The Orioles were so behind in that facet because when Dan Duquette was here as the previous GM, he would literally say, we do not philosophically believe in the international scouting process. Now, uh, maybe a little bit of your brain can say, good for you, Dan Duquette. This is the most exploitive thing in all of baseball. But 99% of your brain says, that's how you got to play the game. And that's where a lot of people get some of their best players from. Mm-hmm. So when Michael Elias came in in 2019, he was already two years behind already because those deals happen under the table. It's pretty sleazy, but they happen two years in advance. Mm-hmm. So you got two years behind. So you can't even start really signing guys till 2021. And then when you finally get to 21, you're still way behind everyone else because you don't have a pool of guys already in your system. So we're not even to the point where the O's have built it up to be like to even par with other teams. And, you know, it's been four years of this. And you look at the Astros, like their rotation, you're looking at guys like Christian Javier and Fran Valdez, and some of their best players are coming from international signings. The O's haven't been able to get to that level yet. And I think the other thing would be the Astros have done a great job turning like middling minor leaguers who are fringe prospects into legitimate big leaguers. And the O's have done that a little bit, but the O's have been better with like waiver wire guys and turning them into legitimate big leaguers. They haven't quite made the next step to here's this guy who's like the 45th ranked prospect in our system, but we've got this one tweak we're going to make in AAA, and he's going to become a solid big leaguer. The Astros have done that a lot. That's kind of the Orioles next step, but the losing 
the high draft picks, the really good drafting, which is what the Orioles have done, I think kind of shows that Astros way, all of the data, all of the technology, all of the numbers that they've put into the minor leagues that were not there before was very Astros-like as well. Their pitching coach, Chris Holt, uh, was in the Astros system as well as like a pitch development guy. He's now their major league pitching coach, so he came over as well. A couple other front office major, uh, members too came from Houston. So they're building it a little differently, but generally the blueprint is there. And the one thing they're just always going to be behind in is that international scouting. Like mm. It's going to take you four or five more years, even if they're doing it perfectly. Like Kobe Perez, who leads their international scouting department, like he's been great. But it's going to take him another four years just to get to the point where the Astros are, which I think is going to always make the Orioles rebuild a little different because the Astros were on it even when they were bad and the Orioles were not. So they're not going to get those from Valdez's to lead their rotation because they just weren't putting in that work before Elias mm. got here, basically. Yeah, and you, you mentioned um, how they they had all the, the high draft picks and they've kind of come through with the draft picks. What have they done to kind of, I guess, um, finish them off in, 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 in the minors? How, how, how have, have, they, have they developed these guys? Yeah, so the big thing in the O system is hitting development, and their pitching is behind, not necessarily in development, but just in talent in the system. The Orioles have not taken a pitcher before the fifth round in any draft that Mike Elias has had. So he has basically gone four or five hitters in every single draft before he's taken a pitcher. Now, some of that is because pitchers are more delicate, they're more injury prone, especially when they're that young and they're throwing this hard, and a lot of guys end up getting Tommy John before they get to the big leagues. And the Orioles' kind of goal has been we will acquire older pitching in trades, in free agency, in maybe minor league trades, and we will get them at 23 instead of getting them at 19. That's kind of been their outlook. And the pitching from that plan has been good enough at the big leagues, just at the minor league level, it, it is behind. However, the hitting development has been incredible, and the, the overvamping of that entire process has been amazing to watch. And their big thing is swing decision, swing decision, swing decision, swing decision. You are swinging at the right pitch for you. You are laying off pitches. You are drawing walks if you can. And I think the number one place we saw it happen was with Gunnar Henderson this year. You know, had an amazing final month to the season last year after getting called up. He's everybody's, you know, leader for AL Rookie of the Year going into this year. Everybody thinks he's going to be the guy. Well, Gunnar was hitting 180 for the first six weeks of the year. And all of a sudden, he was no longer the AL Rookie of the Year favorite. The reason why he was still in the lineup every single day is because of the swing decision plan that he had gone through in the minors. He still had a 350 on base percentage hmm. because he had the fifth highest walk rate in all of baseball, despite hitting 180. So although he wasn't hitting the ball as hard and he wasn't driving the ball into the gaps as much as he usually does, his batter's eye was so good. He was still getting on base enough that the Orioles would just hit him seventh every day and he was still good for the team and he was still hmm. playing solid defense. And so now over the last four weeks, three weeks, Henderson has turned it on with the bat. And all of a sudden, he's looking like the star hitter. And that's kind of been the number one success of that program so far. And really, it showed what the reason is for the swing decision program. It's that if your bat goes a little cold, you should still be able to get on base. And that is what Gunnar Henderson doing this year has kind of showed what the O's have done. And all these guys coming behind him. I mentioned Colton Kowser, uh, you know, coming up through the minors, Heston Kerstad. These guys are going through that same program. And we're going to see more and more guys at the big league level over the next couple of years for the O's who just are such a hard out. And maybe they might not hit 30 homers and drive in 100 runs, but it's going to be really, really hard to get them out because they're not going to swing at bad pitches. 
you're you're scaring me. <laughs> it's these, these Orioles like they sound like a really scary team to be able to coming up in the in the division. And I'm I'm, I'm I think I'm a lot of Blue Jays fans are getting a little worried that the the, the window is starting to to close a little bit for the Blue Jays. And and the and the, the it seems like the door is, is is getting wide open for these Orioles. Um, now I guess um we, the series starts on Tuesday between the Orioles and the Jays. It doesn't really sound like there's been any significant changes other than I guess injuries are kind of creeping into the to the uh, Orioles lineup a little bit. Is that the, the only big difference between uh, the last meeting? Yeah, you won't see Cedric Mullins. Um, he was amazing this year. He went down with uh, it was some sort of strain in his lower body. Uh, it was like a groin-ish injury. Um, he's currently in Sarasota at the spring training complex doing baseball activities. He hasn't like started hitting or anything yet, so it's still going to be a while. So you won't see Cedric Mullins. You'll see a lot of Aaron Hicks. Um, which mm-hmm. Blue Jays fans are probably used to seeing because he's been with the Yankees for so many years, but he'll be mm-hmm. in an Orioles uniform and he'll probably play a good amount in center field. He's actually been really good since the O's signed him. So it's kind of been nice. He was hitting like 150 with the Yankees and he now has a hit, I believe, in every game he's played in uh, with the Orioles so far. So they've they've changed a little bit. I don't think it's going to last, but it's been nice to have him step in for now. Other than that, you got Gunnar Henderson hitting. I, I, when the O's were in Toronto last time, Gunnar was not hitting at all. He's hitting now and, and he's probably going to hit leadoff uh, without Cedric Mullins in that lineup. And the last thing I'll say, you, you won't see Grayson Rodriguez. I know he started one of those games in Toronto in that initial series. He is down in AAA. Cole Irvin, who has been with the A's the past couple of years, he is back um, into the rotation now. I'm not sure if he'll start one of those games this week, mm-hmm. but you'll see kind of a, a similar group of relievers, similar group of starters. It's just really not seeing Cedric Mullins out there um, is kind of the number one difference looking at the roster right now. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting series. Um, I think when when the Jays and the Orioles first met, the, the the Jays were at the end of a really tough stretch of 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 games, and and they have now an off day. And they've they've other than this this Minnesota series, which they've 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 lost, they've lost the first two games of. Um, they've they've I think they've won at least three series in a row, so they're kind of getting back to playing good baseball. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. You'll you'll get to see Chris Bassett uh, pitching that first game according to to the schedule. Um, Connor, thanks so much for joining me. I just got to say, uh, like the Locked On series is every, every host that I've contacted to, to to guest has has been really accommodating and really open to 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 joining in and coming on the podcast. So 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 thanks to Locked On and 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 just tell everybody how to how to find your stuff and to listen to your podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah, we got some great hosts over at the network. Um, but Locked On Orioles, you can find me during the season five days a week. It's about you know twenty five to thirty minute episodes every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, you can get them wherever you get your pods. That's Locked On Orioles. You can also find us on YouTube as well uh, and on Twitter at Locked On Orioles to follow all things O's. All right, Connor, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Okay, and we're back. So I'm going to keep this kind of brief because uh, it's getting late. We're going to head off to the uh, Titans game uh, this afternoon. So we got to start preparing for that. Um, yeah, I, th- I didn't really prepare even a Titans check, and I think they won two straight against. They're, they're playing the Joliet Slammers this weekend, and uh, Sunday is, is Cappy's birthday and the kids love the mascots so we're gonna we're gonna head to that game and 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 maybe get to see some baseball uh i might just be chasing uh 
preschoolers and kindergartens who want to just do nothing but but press the buttons on the vending machines. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah, gonna head off to the basically. I'm gonna we'll leave the personal outcomes uh, for next time uh, with Steve. Uh, but anyways, uh, thanks again to Connor. Uh, we will see or talk to everybody next week. Bye bye. You can hear